Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 143 of How Do You Write? I'm Rachel Heron. I'm thrilled that you're here with me today as I talk to Abdi Nazemian, who was a delight. And he talks about something we don't talk a lot about on this show, which is being in a TV writer's room, which to me is completely fascinating. Um, I loved talking to him. I also have read, since we chatted, his novel, Like a Love Story, which is one of my top reads for the last long while. It is really beautiful. It is, it's just such a love story to the late 80s, early 90s in New York. It is incredibly gorgeous and the characters are so rich and it made me cry. So I highly recommend it. I thought it was wonderful. You will enjoy the interview. I know. A little catch up around here. I shared last week that I've been struggling with a little bit of depression. And I say a little bit because it really is pretty darn lightweight. It allowed me to do everything that I needed to do for months and nothing more. <laughs> uh, nothing more and exciting. Um, as I spoke to you last week, I'd already been talking to my doctor about adjusting my medications. And my medications are the kind where they say you won't feel any difference for a month. And then in fact, what happens is I feel a difference within three days. I'm already coming out of it. Uh, over this past weekend, I did all the summer things I hadn't done, like putting up the hammock and replanting some plants and cleaning off the front porch and setting up the sewing table, which is behind me in the video, that had been on the front porch for months. And it's September. I, I finally got the wherewithal to do some summer tasks, which is just part of the depression, right? I was not able to do anything extra, the things that go a long way to making me happy. And I've been able to do them this week. And it feels great. I'm so blessed that I, number one, have insurance through my wife. Um, and number two, that I listen to my body and that I think about what it's trying to tell me. Although I don't always read the signs as often or as early as I would like, I do eventually end up there. So I wanted to update you on that. Thank you for the notes of caring and concern that came through. I really appreciated those. Y'all know who y'all are. So what else? Got a couple of new patrons. Angelica Whitehorn, thank you so much. And Tina Dolan signed up at the level that she gets creativity coaching, uh, writing coaching with me once a month for half an hour. And I read some of her work. So if anybody's interested in doing that or any of the other perks that I have over on Patreon, you can look at patreon.com slash Rachel. Uh, the big thing I do there is write essays. And right now my essays are centering around letting go of some of this rigidity and control issues that I have. It's been very fun to think about and very fun to write. And I like being as open as I can on the page, kind of like I am on the show. So if you like what you hear here, you might like to go over and pledge a dollar a month and then you get to read all the backlist um, essays. I'm sure there's probably about 30 in there now. So yeah, enjoy that if you'd like to. Otherwise, everything is going swimmingly over here. I have been 
doing some rejiggering on some book structures that I thought that I had nailed, in particular the one that I've been working on for the synopsis. And you've heard me talk about the synopsis and pages that need to go do my agent like now. I finally realized what the problem with the book was. I did not have a character through through line, a, a really good, strong character arc and character change in this book. This is my 27th book or so. And I went back to book two problems where things were happening to my character and she was reacting to them. And eventually she was going to be strong about them, but still these things were happening to her, not because of decisions that she has had made. And the book, now that I've changed everything that way is going to be so much stronger. And I feel relief about that, but, um, did take some real, real thinking. So if you are dealing with a book that is giving you fits, maybe go back to the beginning. Look at your character arc. Look at the theme for your book that you want to carry through this book that you want to illustrate by the character arc change. To me, those things are what we build plot around. Plot is great if you have it. Uh, we we are absolutely need it for our books, but the plot has to be organic and integral to the character, the characters change over the course of the book, right? And sometimes what that really does mean is just getting out a blank notebook and starting to redraft some of your concepts of these characters. So if you ever want me to go into more detail about that kind of thing, shoot me a note. I don't know how interesting that kind of discussion is, but I would be willing to go into it if anybody expressed interest. You can always drop me a line over at howdoyouwrite.net or to email rachel at rachelheron.com or on Twitter. I'll see it, although I'm not really reading outside Twitter. I am reading all my replies on Twitter. So you can hit me anywhere and uh, tell me what you're thinking. Tell me what you're writing about, what you would like me to talk about. And now let's just jump right into the awesome, incredible, exciting interview with Avdi, who is a fantastic writer. Please enjoy. Have you been sending out that perfect query letter and hearing crickets? Well, did you know that I am the query letter whisperer? I honestly love to work on them and they get results. Lorena Hughes, the award-winning author of The Sisters of Alameda Street says, with just a few clever tweaks, Rachel Heron transformed my long and wordy proposal into a sharp query letter that got me agent requests the very next day. I honestly live for fixing query letters. They're like puzzles in my brain. What I do is I overhaul the good drafting that you've already done. I don't write the rough draft for you. I do rearrange your ideas into exactly what the industry expects and responds to for the low, low price of 100 bucks. If you're interested, just go to rachelherron.com slash query and see more information and more testimonials from satisfied clients. Now onto the interview. Well, I could not be more pleased to welcome to the show today, Abdi Nazemian. Hi, Abdi. Hi, how are you, Rachel? I'm so good, and I'm very excited to talk to you. You have a- Did I pronounce your name right, by the way? Yes, and did I pronounce yours right? Yes, you did. You actually did such a good job, which is, I think, what made me very cognizant of name pronunciation, because <laughs> I'm not used to it. It really, like, threw me off that you said my name right. <laughs> I'm a California girl. <laughs> Let me give you a little introduction. I'm so excited to talk to you, because you have a different bio than many of the people who are on this show, so I've got 
am excited for this. Okay, Abdi's, now I'm going to screw it up. Abdi Nazemian is the author of Like a Love Story and the Authentics. His novel, The Walk-In Closet, won the Lambda Literary Award for LGBT debut fiction. His screenwriting credits include the films The Artist's Wife, The Quiet, and Menendez Blood Brothers, and the television series The Village and Almost Family. He has been an executive producer and associate producer on numerous films, including Call Me By Your Name, which is just one of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen in my life. Um, Little Woods, The House of Tomorrow, and Scotty and the Secret History of Hollywood. He holds a BA from Columbia University and an MBA from UCLA Anderson School of Management. He lives in Los Angeles with his fiancée and two children. Um, So, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. You work in writer's rooms and stuff. I do. I do. That's why we have to do this on a weekend, because I'm in a room all day. I, I yeah. want to get into the regular questions that I sent you and stuff sure. like that, but you are definitely... Oh, uh, you can ask me whatever. You okay. don't have to... You're the first person I've ever talked to, to who was in a writer's room, and as a writer, a writer's room sounds so... At the same time, it sounds very glamorous, and at the same time, I expect, <laughs> you, I expect you're just eating Cheez-Its eight hours a day glamorous is the word i would think of it's really fun <laughs> definitely lots of eating snacks yes how many other people tend to be how many other writers are in a writer's room i know that can vary but that that really varies although i will say both i was in a writer's room last year and a different one this year and in both cases it was eight which i think oh, is okay. probably like a good mean number you know um they can be smaller they can be bigger so, but, but I would say around, it hovers around there. How do you, how do you get from eight people in a room talking to words on a page that are then put on the screen? <laughs> like, is there one, per, is it like low man on the lots totem of, pole has to type? Boards. Or? There, well, you have a writer's assistant. Oh, and so. And yes. he or so she the, is the typist kind of thing. Yes, the, writer, the writer's assistant takes notes. And then when the room lets out at the end of the day, the writer's assistant usually has to stay even later than everyone else. So that's, I feel horrible. Sometimes you get notes at like one in the morning and you're like, oh my God, you were working until <laughs> one in the morning. Um, but yes, so so it, it actually is one of the things that I love about a writer's room is you do get to just turn on your kind of creative brain without worrying about note taking or remembering because you know, it's so many ideas get thrown out in, in the course of a day that <clears throat> nobody could be expected to rem- remember every single one. Right. But then you have these notes that are sent and, um, you know, you use a lot of boards and organizing and, you know, it's, it's really just breaking a whole season of TV together. And then once, you know, you, once that's done, you start to get more into, you know, the writing of each episode and, Often they're happening hand in hand because like there's each episode's in a different stage at different points. Oh my goodness. So, you know, as somebody's writing the, you know, third episode, somebody's outlining the fourth and then you're getting ready to break more stories for the fifth. And, does, you know, does that writer's and, assistant um, like keep a, a keep a Bible of what's going on in the show so you can refer back to it or do you have to hold that on your head? Well, no. So you I mean, we have you have bored most. I, and again, I'm only going off of two writers rooms. every writer's room is different yeah. their showrunners um really kind of can run the writer's room the way that they want to 
Um, but, but for the most part, at least in my experience, you, you know, you have these kind of big season boards where you're tracking what's happening. And as you make one change, often it has a domino effect. So you're kind of going back and, Mm. and yes, you will usually have like a kind of master board or document, you know, depending on the room you're in, you, you keep track differently and, you know, you often have, um, character boards that are really, cause uh, you know, often in television, you have so many characters that you start to, you know, if you focus on one, it might affect the the other one's arcs. So, you know, you have separate kind of right boards that are just tracking each character's journey. So you can make sure that you're, you know, serving their, their arcs. What is it like working that with that many other writers? Are there arguments? I want to know. Honestly, I'm sure there are in other writers rooms, not in the ones that I, I mean, I, I feel like in both cases, I just really lucked out with showrunners who it's, it's, I feel like everything it's like writers rooms are, are like any, group you know right job with yeah. top down you know culture and if a showrunner is kind and leads with you know empathy and and rewards creativity and create just creates a, a good environment i find that that's just the environment of the room so i've never you know you hear i've heard many stories i've heard and I'm stories sure many of them are true <laughs> <clears throat> but I don't have any firsthand experience. And my hope is that the culture is changing in general yeah. because more people are speaking out. And, you know, I think that in general, the friends I have who are in writer's rooms currently seem to be having really good experiences. So it's not not at all. I mean, you definitely have like nice, healthy debates about what is best of for course. the show or yeah. what could happen to a character. And, you know, I think the thing that the one thing that is very important to me about writer's rooms for, for writers who are curious about it is that you really can't you have to put your ego aside No, that your idea, like you have to be ready. If your idea isn't the direction that the show is going in to let it go, you can't, you know, you can't make it about like pushing your own ideas or agenda. You certainly, you know, are, you have to voice everything because that's why you're there, <clears throat> but you also have to be ready to, to just let go. And I think mm-hmm. for a lot of writers who come from, you know, whether you come from books or you come from film or TV or playwriting, you know, you're, it, you can be very used to working on your own and being, you know, ultimately servicing your own vision. And I think on the show, you're really finding both a common vision, but also really serving the vision of the showrunner. So, um, it's just different. I think it's really fun. And I, I love it. I like collaborating with other people. You laugh a lot, I you know, bet. like, you know, anytime you're in a room with a group of people, especially a room long, full like of creative people. Camp. Yeah, yeah. creative people. But it's like, you know, you start to have inside jokes and things crack you up or you're just like, why am I even laughing this hard? You know, it's that kind of thing where you're like stir crazy in a room. And and that is absolutely and- the opposite experience of sitting at your desk for six yes. hours by yourself working on a novel. It's, yeah, they're they're pretty much opposite experiences. And I and I will say like they, for me, at least, like I hope I don't know how I mean, my life is very like hard to manage at the moment, but. But I hope that I can do both because as much as like working on a novel is can be it's much lonelier. It's, you know, you pull your hair out a lot more. Like, I also feel like the gratification you get from putting something in the world that is solely your own and is going from your heart and brain and soul directly to the reader is a different experience. Like, you know, a lot more people watch the TV stuff I work on. But when somebody tells me that they read my book and cried or had a certain response, it affects me in a different way than when someone watches a TV show I worked on because it's they're responding to like my personal. Mm-hmm. 
So I, I, I like doing both. I also feel like it's nice to have a break, you know, like when you're working on a novel for a long time, it's nice that for me at least, cause my novels tend to be very personal. Um, it's nice to have a little break to go work on someone else's vision for a while. Cause I, I'm like, I need to be out of my head now. So that leads me to the question about process then. So right now, as you're in this writer's room, are you working yeah. on anything um, on your own or are you kind of like playing with ideas in the back of your head while you're driving to work or? Oh, well, I, God, I wish I was working on another novel, but I'm not. It's been real, honestly, like I also have two kids. Yeah. And, um, and one thing I did, I mean, I mostly did the work on this before I was in the writer's room, but I did, um, I am working on an adaptation of like Ooh. a love story, my Ooh, book. So yes. that was, so I was still very much kind of in that book. Um, and I just, honestly, I haven't had time. So I hope that when I'm out of the writer's room, the next book will, will find me and force me to to write it. I always think of people who are in industries that involve words like publishing or editing or even teaching literature. I, I think it must be very hard to take, you're using your creative mind and thinking about words all day long. I can only imagine that it's almost impossible to do that when you're off work. Right. And also my pro my writing process, at least with books, it's very different with TV because TV is like a, they tell you when to write, you don't get to pick and choose, you know, <laughs> but with books, I tend to be a very high maintenance writer. Like I like to go to a hotel. I like to like be alone. You know, I have to get away. I have to turn off. I have to like go into some kind of weird zone. Like I'm not one of those, like I was on a book tour with a bunch of authors for this book earlier this year. And like one of the writers, we would be like, in a different city every day and going straight to a book appearance and like then to dinner. And then like there was one of the writers who after dinner would be like, okay, I'm going to write. And oh I'm like, God. I'm sorry. Like we just flew in, went straight to the bookstore. Then at dinner with like 12 people, you're going to write. I you know, know I know people like that and, and I admire them so much. I, yeah, I do too, but I'm not that person. I am not I'm a like, you know, I'm a very like, I need to get into some kind of, you know, weird, um, headspace like magical headspace and i can't do that when i'm working all day in a room and taking my kids to school and having dinner with them and tucking them in and you know it's that's so so usually i tend to write my books when i have a chunk of free time and i can get away at least the the beginning like rewriting is a different art where where i can fit it in piecemeal but when i'm finding a new voice or looking for characters or story um it's usually in some hotel room somewhere, sometimes down the street, sometimes in the city I live in, honestly. I love that but you I, know that about yourself. There is, yeah, there is, uh, you know, the, the majority opinion says, well, I just get up and write in the morning and then that's my writing. No, and you have a different not, take on that. <laughs> I am not that person. I've even like checked myself in for a night once in a while when I have something to do that's really like, you know, where, where there's a deadline and I know it's going to require me to go deep into some zone, yeah. then... I, I just, I don't know. And I didn't used to be this way when I was, when I was younger and starting out as a writer, yeah. I found it much easier, but also I didn't use to balance as much, you know, exactly. I didn't use and now I have like TV and books and kids and you know, this and that it's, it's very different. That's so, so I need to interesting to me. Yeah, no, it's really interesting, but I do feel like what I need, you know, and part of it is that my, your brain, I think, I don't know, every writer is different. My brain can't when I really want to find a character and their voice, like I can't have all these other voices in my head. So that's part of what it is. I just like need to go somewhere where I can tell everything else you're on hold mm. as do this. And your partner is you just know? like, goodbye. See you. He, yeah. I mean, you know, that's the beauty of having a, 
a partner and honestly he travels a lot more for work than oh, I do. Okay. So he, he really gets it. He gets that, you know, like often like once a year I usually leave. It's only usually I'll go for like two days or three, but once a year I go for like a little longer, I'll go for like 12 days usually. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I've written sometimes in 12 days, I write like 150 pages of a new book or a full movie script or, you know, because it's, it's like pent up in me, yeah. but at the same time, I don't write every day. I don't yeah. like, I'm not one of those people who wakes up every day and writes and yeah. exercise the muscle in that way. So, Oh, that's so mm-hmm. a, a binge writer. My, my wife is always like, you a binge you're a binge writer. That's exactly what you are. Right. <laughs> my, right. I, I would love to do the hotel thing, but I feel like I travel for work enough. And my wife is like, always, I have to take care of all the dogs again by myself. Right. Okay. Goodbye. I so. <laughs> No, and that's and and it's hard. I mean, the hotel thing is a real luxury, and it's like an expense, and et cetera, et cetera. So fun, so fun. And when I and when I look at like the expense versus what I get back out of it, it's wild how much I'll get. And you you know know. that, and you embrace that. That's part of your process. What is your biggest challenge when it comes to writing? And this can be in the writers' room or on your own. Any of these questions can apply to either. I mean. Other than just balancing the fact that I have a lot to do because I'm not, you know, I, I'm not only doing one thing. I'm kind of pushing myself to do television and books. I still work in film. I have two children. Like the balancing of the schedule is very hard. You know, I really. <laughs> I feel very honored that you got me in on a Saturday afternoon. <laughs> no, seriously, thank you. <laughs> um. But so that that's very hard. I mean, as far as the actual process of writing, for me, at least the hardest, oh God, I mean, the two hardest parts are both the blank page process where I have no idea what I'm going to write next, which would really be more of a book, you know, thing, because in TV, you usually get a job and you already have a right. story or work. But um, like the process of like not knowing what your next book is. And it's like, what do I even want to say? Like oftentimes when I finish a book, I feel like I've said everything I ever need to say. And I'm like, I don't know what else I have to say that's valuable. So that is really frightening. Then I love the first draft. If I, if I know what I'm writing, I love the first draft process. Then it's the rewriting. That's the hardest after that. Rewriting is brutal. (laughs) What is, what is your biggest joy when it comes to writing? Oh, the first draft. If I know, once I know what it is, yeah. yeah. I, not the finding of it, like the first chapter, no. Yeah. But like once I've found a voice and I know generally what the story is, and especially with my books, I don't um, outline them. So like with like a love story, for example, I had no idea when I sat down to write that it was going to end up being three narrators. I didn't know. I didn't even know it would be a love story. I didn't know what That's so cool. it would be about. I just had this character and this world and I knew I wanted to write about what it was like growing up, you know, in the late eighties, early nineties as a, you know, gay immigrant like I was. And and that's where I was going. And but the the process of writing that first draft as it was flowing mm. and I didn't know what was going to happen and suddenly characters were coming and situations were happening that I didn't predict and it was like it felt very magical. That's you know that's that's the the opposite of me. I really, really? I struggled through first drafts, and I just realized I'm dealing right now with like thinking a lot about my own control freakism, uh-huh. and I think that that's why I don't like first drafts, perhaps because those other things keep coming in. I'm like, wait, no, I didn't plan I, for you. I did not invite go, you. It's a letting go process. You have to yeah. let go. You have that's to let go, and maybe, and I am a control freak, though. I wonder, maybe I'm better at letting go than maybe I. Maybe that's just uh-huh. where you're able to. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, maybe. Well, it is. I think part of what's so exciting to me about that is when TV's been my primary job for 20 years, you are you really have to outline everything because you have to get outlines approved before you're right. even sent to script. So for me, I think the process of letting go and writing a book without an outline and just seeing where it takes me is like, it feels like this Being weird privilege. And it, yeah. yeah. And it also is like, you learn so much about yourself because you're like, oh, I didn't even know this was on my mind or, mm. you know, things happen where you don't, it, they're, they're even surprising to you. It's like this, you're having just like a very intimate experience with your subconscious that way. Oh, it's terrifying, know, it's cool. terrifying. <laughs> well, yes, it is terrifying, but that's what's fun. It's, if you get over the terror into the fun part, that's why I feel like the very beginning is terror, where it's like, what it is. Then when you, at least for me, once I find it, it's like, oh, this is so fun. Then once I have to go back and rewrite, it's so hard. And see, I love rewrite. I can live and rewrite. I, I write a first draft just to rewrite. That's Just rewrite it? Yeah. I don't know. I like write the first. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like I talk to a lot of writers who are like you, who love rewriting. But, but we're all, it's like having straight or curly hair. We're all jealous of each other, right. you know, it's true. <laughs> but I am right now in that, that right in between books. And I say at least three or four times a day, there's a book in there. Like just right. as I'm walking through town oh. or talking to people, God, that could be uh, a book. That could be a book. Yeah. So I, see, I'm, I'm one of those people who like, if I write 50 pages of a book and I feel like it's not. It doesn't have to be like, obviously, I know it's going to be rewritten, but if I don't feel like it's close to something I would want out there, I often just you like, abandon. like sit and abandon. Yeah. I mean, in between the authentics, which was my book before, like a love story and like a love story, I think I started to write two or three other books that right. I abandoned. Yeah. I can't remember. So I'm it. also like an abandoner of books. <laughs> I, I was, I, I think it was, Ann, I think it might've been Ann Perry. I heard recently say that she writes the first 80 pages of a book. And then decides right. whether it yeah. has earned its worth. Like, yes. And I think that was like me. I think I wrote 50 pages of two different books. Though I will say for one of those books was a completely different contemporary story where the narrator was Judy, who ended up hopping from that into like a love story <gasps> into a new era. But she was the same character, like the That's same voice. The same. Um, and she had a gay uncle in that. And it was very much like I felt like this thing happened where. I started to write like a love story from the perspective of Reza, the Iranian character. And then suddenly I was like, wait a minute. Like she feels like she is going to have a friendship with him. And then everything flew. Oh, that's, that's serious. That was cool. That's serious. So like, sometimes yeah. I feel, yeah. And, and I do feel like there's power in realizing something is not going well because the, 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 the power in it is you're like, this one isn't right, but you still did a lot of work on that that could find its way. It's a and delicate. I've talked to other writers. It's a delicate balance, though, too, because you have to, when you are working on a project that you are now committed to, you also have those days where you're like, "This is literally the worst thing that's ever happened to the universe, <laughs> and I'm yeah. making it." And you still have to maintain, you know, you have to I go know. back to that after you kind of married it past those fifty pages. You've committed, so. Yes. Yes. Oh, Not yeah. easy work. I don't know why anybody does this. I don't know why we do it either. <laughs> um, can you share a craft tip of any sort with us? God. Um, I mean, I've talked about this on other things, but I'm a big fan of the artist's way. If you haven't heard of it, I, I can tell you more. Julia, tell me how it, Julia, yeah. how, tell me how it affected you. So I've done it many, many times and I've done all the books because eventually, I don't know if 
if you're if you like me discovered a long time ago you sometimes feel like you need a reset and you're like well i've already done the first book so you go to the second book and then i did the third book and then then i did them all at a certain point i'm like well i'm gonna go back to the first so i did the first one recently um i the first time i did the artist's way i think was when i was writing what became my first novel and i just felt like um a friend of mine had recommended it to me and i felt like writing novels was going to be a very different um creative endeavor than writing movies and TV. And so I, I felt like I needed to get deeper into my, you know, uh, consciousness. And so I was very, like most people who I recommend the artist way to, I was very skeptical in the beginning. <laughs> well, um, it's woo woo. It's feely. It's, it's all very the things. Feely and it's very, um, I mean, now I'm like, I use all of it and I, I recommend it far and wide, but I, um, for me, it just it, it felt like this really like you start with a lot of resistance. And for those people who don't know the artist way, it's this 12 week course that's supposed to unlock your creativity. And the two kind of foundations of it are writing morning pages, which is three longhand journal pages every morning and then taking yourself on an artist date once a week, which sounds so silly on the page, but it's so it's great. Um, yeah, so great. And so I. I felt like it really just worked. Like, I feel like something mysterious happens where the, you know, you in the process of like doing all the exercises that she prescribes to you, you start to feel freer creatively and just unlocked um, in a lot of ways. So I, it's, I don't know. I mean, I, it's not like, I don't know how I'm sure there's a lot of like sci more, someone could speak more scientifically about why it works. I just know that when I've done it, I mean, even honestly, even for someone who's not creative, I feel like it would just make you a happier person because it's like you're just, yeah. So I love it. And I, I feel um, like I don't do it. Like I'm not doing it now because I'm in a writer's room and it would be really hard to, it's so time consuming. <laughs> like you don't realize how much time you need to like do all of that. Mm -hmm. uh, but I just think it's really great. There's other little things like I've, you know, that I've picked up along the way. Like I, I mean, I always like when I'm writing, I always have a, a journal file open on my computer so that if I get frustrated, I go straight. Like someone had told me a long time ago, a great screenwriter that that he um, when he's writing, if he gets frustrated, the, the trick is not to stop writing. So if you're frustrated, just go to your journal, vent into your journal about what's frustrating you. And then once you're done, you just go right back. But just don't stop the fingers moving. I've never actually um, heard that said, but that is something I do. And the pro that there's only one problem with that is that, uh, is that if anyone were to ever read that part of my journal, oh, that yeah. particular I journal, know. it is just whinging. It is just, hey, hey, hey. If you read mine, mine is usually me giving myself like, like it'll be <laughs> me, me going the journal being like, I could keep do writing. It. Yes. Keep writing, keep fighting. <laughs> just keep stop. your fingers like, moving. I'll put, you know, just keep going. 45 more minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's so funny because I feel like was it like yesterday that I was I was doing some writing and I was like I have to remember someday to just put this journal in the trash and like delete it so that nobody finds it I, I'm terrified of that terrified. Yeah, it's a lot of that it's a lot of like just me pumping myself up but it's so helpful and it works that's the thing it works a lot of yeah, times I'll actually works. switch to longhand too if I need to if I, especially if I'm writing and I'm yeah, stuck I start doing that longhand yes I like that. And sometimes I'll do like, um, like sometimes I'll start before I write doing word association longhand, which I think is really fun. Like if you're writing about a particular theme or time in your life, just taking a little time to like write the word and then whatever words you associate just to it, it like, I feel like for me, a lot of like the, the craft part of it is like, 
anything you can do to get into your subconscious brain. I've been using tarot cards recently. But, uh, Ooh, and you, you just, you, do, you pull, like, I'll just, I'm just going to pull the, what's at the top right now, Queen of Swords. Um, uh-huh. And then I write that down and that's about intellectual um, completion and uh, it's, it's about strength and directness. And I'll just let myself think about those qualities of myself and just kind of start typing and see where it goes, see what memories are oh. triggered and right around those. And it's just, it's just a back door to the subconscious. That's all it is. I love that. It's yeah. Fun. Which I think is a lot. I love that. I have a friend who does tarot. I'm actually seeing her tomorrow. Um, I, I love that because I think a lot of like writing is so much more, um, so much of it is, is hard to, it's hard to talk about craft because I feel like a lot of the craft part of it is about how do you let go of your brain it's it's almost like the inverse of how we think of most skills where it's like about like powering when applying and when I used to teach screenwriting um I used to teach a screenwriting class and the first thing I assigned the first reading I assigned was from a book called the inner game of tennis and the students always laughed because they thought it was so absurd but the basic premise of the the, this book the I I grew up playing tennis so bear with me for a minute (laughs) but but the basic premise of the book is that if you want to be a tennis player you have to practice your your strokes like for hours and hours and hours so that when you're in an actual match it's all like muscle memory in your brain so that you can't like because when you're in an actual match you can't be thinking like put your foot here put your thing right. here you have to go into it's the same process it's the same thing with like learning music like you've got to practice that piano so much that when you actually go to perform you're n- you're not thinking anymore about what finger belongs where you're trusting that you have it. And I feel like a lot of writing for Mm. me is that. And that's why I would always give that to the students because I felt like, yes, like we're going to talk about structure and voice and character and plot and all of these different things. But when you sit down to write, if you're thinking about plot or structure, the writing is going to suck. You know what I mean? That is beautiful. What a good way to put that. Yeah. So it's a lot of prep work. And then before you write, find whatever it is, tarot, word association, find something that will help get you into that subconscious. So you're not, you're not pushing the writing forward with your, you know, conscious brain. And the, and the subconscious is always right. It's just, it's just, it's the only part of me that is always right. You know? Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. You have to trust. It's hard. It's really hard. And that is something, you know, for, you should try it. I just pull a card a day and I write about it for like 15 minutes. I said, I, and and I have gotten some magical things out of it. And interestingly, some of those turn into got to get the work done. You know, you're, mm-hmm. you're, you know, it, it turns into another like really boring entry. But right. some of them turn out really interesting. So yes, try it. Talk it's to your talk to your tarot okay. friend tomorrow. Maybe she'll get, maybe she'll give you a deck. I know she's got quite a few. Oh, she has, she has many decks. The last time I was yeah. at her house, she pulled decks for us, and like she pulled cards, and we each got like a it was a goddess tarot set, and. Ooh. We each got like an so in, a goddess and an intention. Yes. Oh, I love that. Well, this has been a joy to talk to you today. Thank you. Now I would like you to tell us a little bit about your latest novel and where we can find you online. Sure. Uh, my latest novel is called Like a Love Story. Also, by it, the way, it, all your books are have gorgeous covers. Like you. Oh, have thank you. Stunning covers. Yeah. Thank you. I really. I mean, yeah, I've lucked out with covers. Um, I love. I love the latest cover. So, yeah, so Like a Love Story is a it's a novel that takes place in 1989 and 1990, and it's about three teenagers who get involved in ACT UP AIDS activism in New York City, and it's also a love story, but like I always tell people, it's, it is a love story, but to me, more than anything, it's a love letter to, to activism, to art, and to the spirit of love and friendship in the queer community. So 
it's uh yeah it's deeply personal i'm very excited about it i uh yeah it's been it's been beautiful having it out in the world you get such a beautiful happy look on your face when you talk about it like you just like <laughs> I know, I you know. just beamed like you were talking about one of your kids <laughs> well it feels like it this book especially i mean i love all my books but it's it, this one feels like it it has been living inside me for a long, long time. And, and honestly, like as somebody who felt like with good reason for most of my career, I couldn't write queer stories or Iranian stories because I was in an industry that just didn't want them. And when I did write them, they would be rejected, you know, to have this book out in the world and to have it, you know, to have the response that it's gotten, it just feels like both like, wow, the world is moving in a positive direction in some ways, which I know we all need to hear right now. And, and also just very personally validating because all my life I thought I'd be rejected for who I am. And now it feels like I've put it on the page and I'm being embraced. So it's really gratifying. I can't you know? wait to read it. I'm, I'm hanging up with you and going to purchase it. So ah, okay. <laughs> that's, that's um, my next step. What was the second part? Where, uh, where can we find you online? On, I'm mostly on Instagram. I'm yes. Ab, Ab Daddy. Um, and I'm also on Twitter as at Ab Daddy and. I don't even know how face. I mean, I'm on Facebook too. I don't go on it. I don't even hate it. But I love Instagram. I put. I mean, Instagram is the one I tend to use the most. Yeah. Um, Twitter. I'm on Twitter mostly for book stuff, but it really scares me. I'm pretty (laughs) much off it now. I loved it for a long time. Have you have have your kids talked to you into TikTok yet? No, I um I did. It wasn't. My kids are too young for TikTok. (laughs) Seven. They don't. Ooh, God, that would be way too young soon. Um, but somebody else, I think it was my fiance told me that I had to go on TikTok and I spent about three minutes before I ran and deleted. I like deleted it and was like, Oh my God. I put it on my phone last night and this morning I woke up and I saw its little icon. It had already sent me, sent me a push notification. And I just, I think Uh it should be called, you could be reading. That's oh what TikTok God. you could oh, be reading yeah. right now. Like I this, know. and I immediately dragged it to the trash. trash. But I those few minutes I did spend on it were brain numbing and super fun. It's really, and this is like a really hard thing. I mean, this actually, like, I, w- I would like a podcast where authors are asked about how they balance their social media. I, I, I don't know what the word is, but needs or, you know, the obligation. Because I, I wasn't on most social media until I wrote my first book. I joined... Oh. I had one Instagram that was private, but I really joined Twitter and had, and, and started a public Instagram because I was told I had to as an author. As a screenwriter, you're not expected to be the marketing voice of your project. You're nobody oh, cares about it. That must be nice. <laughs> the actors do all you know, you know, nobody wants to hear from the writer. You you know, they want to hear from the stars, yeah. which is great, you yeah. know. But I find that as an author, it's really tricky because, you know, the all this stuff we've been discussing about getting into your subconscious and freeing your brain and social media is like the, you know, the enemy of that. It's the so, devil. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've, I've pretty much cut out everything out of my life except for I do maybe 20 minutes on Instagram a day. That's what I allow myself. Yeah. But like, on I a, like it. I mean, as I say I, that, like, I, I love like it. it. I love it. And the thing I love most about it is like, I mean, if you read like a love story, you'll see I have very specific obsessions that are like, you know, I'm obsessed with Madonna. I'm obsessed with old Hollywood and old Judy Garland and Joan Crawford and old stars and Tori Amos and all these like very specific sub. Oh, Tori. Um, (laughs) So I find that like on Instagram and some, and on Twitter too, when I'm on it, um, it, 
brings you to get like you realize like yes. you have these little neat these interests that you feel like nobody in the world is going to share the way that queer you sewing feel. queer sewing is oh, a thing there you go that's oh, a niche sure and i could just sewing. you could you go down so it's called so queer hashtag so oh s-e-w queer God, just so queer. tumble down there tumble down that rabbit hole and it is oh, a real affirming fantastic. place to be that's the thing. So finding like-minded people is, is, is to me like the real beauty of social media. And, you know, and then when you write something that really celebrates, like with me, this last book really celebrates all my interests and it brings all these people to you yeah. that, you know, share those passions and that part of it I do love, but yes, it is a time suck. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for this. Thank this has you, been such a joy. So and I will keep so in touch with you. Awesome. You're you're awesome. Thank you. And I will let you know when okay. this is live and have a wonderful Thanks. afternoon with your family. Thank and you. thank you for the time. Okay. Bye. Bye, Abdi. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends.